1: like This sort of wild season, right? Because I've had three different plays that I wrote all get world premiere productions like in this theater season. So between September of 22 and basically the end of this month, I'll have opened, you know, eight different productions across the country. Hey,
2: everybody, it's another Fanboy Friday with me, Shah Jahan Khan. This week's guest is Kareem Femi. Karim Femi is a Canadian-born director, playwright, and screenwriter of Egyptian descent. He has directed and developed plays at theaters nationwide. His plays include Dodie and Diana, American Fast, A Distinct Society, The Triumphant, Paridolia, and an adaptation of the best-selling novel, The Yakubian Building. I've been hearing about Kareem for many years now. And although I have yet to see one of his plays in person, I was so excited to get the chance to chat with him. During our conversation, I totally forgot to mention that a 2005 theatrical performance by another Muslim playwright, Raisins Not Virgins, blew my mind wide open and changed the trajectory of my life. I'm so excited about the work Kareem is doing to pave the way for more people to connect with theater. You can read an excerpt of our interview on Raphaelion's Fawn website for Muslim American creative projects at createfawn.com. That's C-R-E-A-T-E-F-A-N-N.com. More with Kareem Femi and me after a quick break.
1: I don't know that I'll ever have a season like this again. So, you know, it's like, you know, what I've been passionate about is just like all three of these plays, right? Cause it's like, you know, you're, you're birthing these new things, right? So, like all of my energy and focus over the last several months has all been, you know, these three projects. And now I'm now all three have had at least one production. Um, but then the one I'm working on right now here in Chicago, I'm also directing it. So it's like, that's kind of my, my sort of culmination of my season is that I'm directing my own play at this place, Writers Theater, and Glencoe, Illinois, which is sort of one of the northern suburbs of Chicago. So that's like, in the very moment, that is the number one thing that is occupying me. I can literally see the theater from across <laughs> the street. In the little apartment they put me up in, so it's- Would um, you
0: mind just for the sake of folks that are read and listen to this, I know the names of your shows, but if you wouldn't mind just saying the three that you produced and the one you're working on now.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So um, I I have a play called Dodie and Diana, which premiered in New York off Broadway this fall. Uh, It was actually my first ever production, Uh, full production as a playwright. And then uh, the second one that opened uh, sequentially is called American Fast, which is a play that's now- had four productions the fourth production actually opens next week so it's in rehearsals right now in Philadelphia and then the play I'm currently working on in Chicago is called A Distinct Society um and that um had two productions earlier this season and now I'm directing the third one fabulous
0: thank you when would you say that like you first personally like felt empowered as a storyteller whether that means like the first time you were like holy shit I'm doing something that whether it's like someone, the first time someone spoke the words that you wrote or you observed, maybe the first thing that you did, like being produced.
1: Or... Well, sure. i like I love the word empowered. It's such an interesting word because I like, when you said that, I like think back to like, I was pretty young when I first felt that, like, because I, I had started kind of making theater. I don't even know if you'd call it theater now, but it was sort of like, I was making stories. I was writing, I was creating things like way back when I was young. And you know, when I was maybe got 18 or so, I like started this little festival where I went to college with a bunch of my friends and we, it only lasted for two years, but, you know, we produced like this pretty robust, like festival of work. And I was, you know, I had a play that I wrote in it and I directed some of it and I produced it. And I even acted in it, even though I'm not an actor. And it was empowering, right? Cause it's like, oh, here was like nothing. And then we made a thing, you know? And that that felt very empowering way back then, which was of course long before I ever thought I would do it, you know, for a living. Um, so, but I think that feeling like sort of like opened up something in my brain, even though I didn't really like begin to articulate that I would do it for a living for many years after. It, it took me a long time to figure that part out.
0: Similarly, when did you... Uh feel empowered as a storyteller to like be your whole self, whatever Hmm. that means to you.
1: I mean, that's a really good question because the whole like being my whole self thing is like, I'm still figuring that out, you know, like it's like, I do think that when I, cause you know, I, I, I'm from Canada. Right. And I, I like, I came to the U S to go to school and I think I had a, like a certain idea about the work that I wanted to create like early on and then you know you come into the sort of professional world and people are saying like no you should do this or you should do that like you know they're kind of they like push you into these directions and you often kind of like go on that journey being like well but I still need to figure out like who I am and what I am you know and like so I'm still on that journey but you know the more that I get in touch with the fact that like I am not, like I'm truly a hyphenate, like I'm not only a writer, I'm not only a direct, like I really tell stories in a lot of different ways. And I think I'm still owning that, you know, hyphenate storyteller identity, but the more of it that I do and the more sort of confidence I build in all of these different hyphenate identities, like the more that I get to blend them together it's very exciting because then it is like, but like, you know, right now I am writing and directing a play, right? So it's like, I have to hold the space for the story, the space for the production, the space for every single collaborator as the like soul generative artist, um, or as the central generative artist, I should say, not soul. And that's like super exhilarating. Do you know what I mean? It's also exhausting, right? But it is like, oh, wow, I can do this. Like I can... I can hold all of these pieces together. And um, it's great. It's really fun.
0: When would you say in your career was the first time you kind of, like you? I think you mentioned some of the people that are telling you how to be and what to to write. When was the first time you felt maybe empowered again, but just you you like took a stand maybe and were like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do it my way type deal.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. I do that all the time, right? It's like you... (laughs) Well, I think it's like I think it's the the,
0: maybe even a recent time or, you
1: know, well, it's the specific to get
0: into specifics, but
1: sure. I mean, to me, it's like about the fact that like, look, you know, I am often not always right, but I'm often walking into professional situations, either as a writer or director as like the first or like one of the first Middle Eastern Muslim people you know, that they're that they're encountering. Like, you know, so I've had these eight productions this season and I and I looked into the history of all of the various theaters that are producing my work. And I believe this is true that like six of the eight theaters that are producing my plays this season, I'm the first ever writer of Middle Eastern descent that these theaters have ever programmed. And these are some of these theaters have been programming plays for 50 years. You know, so we're talking about hundreds of writers. So I was like, wow, like wow, that is both wonderful, but also kind of bizarre that it would take so long for some of these organizations to engage with an artist like me or just an artist from, you know, my community. So I'm constantly, you know, gently taking stands because I do believe that like when you are the first, you have sort of like a sense of response. I feel a sense of responsibility of kind of laying a really good foundation for, you know, the second, the third and the fourth. Right. Because, you know when an organization that's you know producing a play is like oh we've never engaged with that community sometimes and it's not even necessarily their fault but like they kind of make mistakes where they don't know or they they're lacking a certain knowledge of like how to take care of a culturally specific piece right so like i do have to kind of take stands and be like no you know oh this role is written for an arab actor we're going to cast an arab actor and not a south asian actor or you know or hey, this is a Egyptian character. And so, you know, it actually, the cultural specificity of Egypt is like this, as opposed to like this. And so those are all like little mini stands, but like, it adds up to a lot, right? Because I want it to be done well. And I want it to, you know, reflect my experience as best as possible. And I just want to set a really high bar for other people that come after me and be like, oh, Kareem got that. Like, okay, well then I should get that, you know, at least that, if not more. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, in, in, in the realm of like, to think how I had to ask this question, the whole like representation conversation or whatever, like, and like in theater versus film, I know you've written a couple of uh, screenplays as well. Um, I'm wondering like where you see us now we're, we're in the next five to 10 years. Like, to me, you're somebody, and the reason I want to talk to you is like, you're someone who's like, is holding that power. And maybe it's the first, you know, or whatever, like, a lot of us are like, have ever doing this being the first thing. And you very eloquently stated how, like, what that means and and the responsibility and stuff that we hold. But like, I don't know, like, do you see a different challenge in the theater world versus the film world? Do you think we're in like a different place there?
1: It's actually a really interesting question, right? Because like, I mean, as a consumer, right, like, you know, the thing is, is like theater ultimately doesn't have to reach a very wide audience. Do you see what I'm saying? Like the the work that you're making, you know, like what I'm right, I've only written a couple of TV pilots, but, you know, I've like had lots of meetings about different things. And, you know, it's ultimately, I mean, not to say that theater isn't a business, right? Because theater is certainly a business, right? It's part of show businesses, arts and entertainment. Right. But, you know, film and television, podcasts, these other mediums, they're, they're off Squarely for profit model. Do you know what I'm saying? So they're not like, they're not getting the like representation gold star. Like nobody's going to be like, oh, you know, what it, at the end of the day, it's like, is the show successful? Is the movie successful? Is it making money? Is it reaching audiences? Do you know what I mean? And I actually find that sort of like beautifully freeing in a way, because then it really is, are you telling a really great story? You know, are you telling a story that a lot of people want to consume? And while it could feature, You know, uh, and all of the work that I've created outside of theater does, at least as of now, feature, you know, Middle Eastern or Muslim characters. That's really important to me. Right. But ultimately, like if something were to actually get made, I'd still want it to be successful and reach a wide audience. Whereas theater, I think by nature of what it is, can be sort of niche. Do you know what I mean? Like it can be. Oh, you know, a few thousand people are going to see the show. And, you know, most of these theaters are not for profit you know so like they're probably going to take a loss on my show but they do get a little bit of a gold star of like well look you featured an underrepresented story and and so you know there's less of a sense of i need to make the thing palatable to a wide audience however my underlying motivations as a storyteller i think have always been And it's funny because I think I knew this even when I was really young before I ever thought I would actually have a career in it is like, I think a really good story should resonate across a really, really wide audience. For me, do you know what I mean? Like I think I've met artists would be like, I'm creating this type of work for a very small subset of people and that's all I care about. And I think that's kind of amazing. I've just never been that guy. I've always been like, I want the things that I create to feel... Like, they can be anywhere and be consumed by anyone, even when they're really, like, super specific about things that, you know, maybe even o- only Arabs and Muslims would would know inherently, right? I still want to sure. be able to, like, translate that. Not translate, but, like, make it feel entertaining to anyone, you know? Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, and that's less vital in theater only because, you know, you don't have to... I don't know. Whatever, like you know, have a big opening weekend at the box office, or you know, come out of the gate with a, a pilot that everybody is talking about. You know, so yeah. it's um, it's a different. There really are they are different worlds, though. I would argue that the intended effect is the same. Is like you want to create a story that people are going to get excited
0: about. You know. Yeah. Last question: Who are other North American Muslim creatives that inspire you? Right now.
1: Oh. That's a really, that's a really cool question because I think most of my career I've been like, I, I haven't had those models. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like there are yeah, few, yeah. So few, so I often feel like I've been like forging, you know, my own path. I mean, I I feel quite fortunate that over the course of my career as a director, Muslim writers have been the ones who have sometimes reached out to me and said like, it is important for me that like, the person who's interpreting my work as you know as Muslim. So, like, you know, a few years ago, I worked a lot with a playwright named Daima Mubashir, who is, you know, a black Muslim, like nation of Islam Muslim. And I, that was like a world I, I was not familiar with at all, but she she like, you know, she's like, you're one of the only Muslim directors you know in the country. Yeah. With theater, like I want to work with you. So that was like really inspiring to me because it's like her approach and her point of view on Islam was very different than mine. But we could we found this amazing, you know, shared understanding. And similarly, you know, I've worked a lot with actually a, a, an artist based here in Chicago named Rohina Malik, who is a Pakistani Muslim woman and who is like very devout. You know, she's a hijabi woman. She practices, you know, I, I I can't call myself a practicing Muslim. I very much identify as a cultural Muslim baked into every sort of aspect of my life and my identity. But I don't really practice the religion anymore for all sorts of personal reasons, right? Whereas you know, Rahina is like this practicing Muslim who you know prays five times a day and has done the pilgrimage several times and like lives a very different experience. And her plays are full of these like extremely faithful Muslim characters. Whereas the Muslim characters in my plays are my plays sometimes are are different than that. But yet there's kind of this kind of beautiful collaboration I've had with her because I understand her experience. So like those have been the sort of most formative experiences for me because i think that i'm inspired by the fact that all of these different muslim storytellers are all telling their version of what islam is like and that's kind of been my journey too not that all of my plays like fixate on islam but to me what's it what is inspiring about what's happening right now and there there are more muslim stories is that we're starting to break out of this sort of monolithic idea of like Islam is this one thing, and this is how we talk about Islam in America, and the narrative that you're writing has to fit into the the prevailing narrative of, you know, what it means, right, in America. And I think that's kind of bullshit, right? Because you're talking about a billion people around the planet with, you know, a billion different <laughs> interpretations of what that is and how it works in their lives. So we're in an interesting moment, and it's inspiring to me that I've seen my colleagues do that, that I'm now doing that. Um, and I think we're building a really cool, like, generation of of various Muslim storytellers who who are doing that without having had a lot of successful models for, like, how that works in the past, you know? Because there have just been so few who have, like, broken through on a really, really big level, you know?
2: Fanboy Friday is a production of Rafaelion Media. It's hosted by me, Shah Jahan Khan, and produced and edited by Ari Mathe. Our theme music was composed by me, with help from Nick Zampiello at New Alliance Mastering, and features my good friend and longtime musical co-conspirator Tanya Pullett on vocals. Please follow today's guest Kareem Fahmy at his website, kareemfahmy.com, and read our interview and lots of other cool stuff by American Muslim creatives by subscribing now to createfon.com. That's C-R-E-A-T-E-F-A-N-N.com. Thanks so much.
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it